We are in Galatians, going through Galatians chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I'm going to do, it's going to be a little different this, this morning. I'm going to give a little commentary as we go by. We're going to be in verse 6 through 19, but I'm going to spend almost all my time in verse 19. But we're going to start off in verse 6, and I'm going to be commenting. And we've... Uh, a few different, anyone need a Bible, Spanish or English Bible? Anyone, alguien necesita una Biblia? If you do, raise your hand, levántate tu mano. I just kind of butchered that. Verse 6. And because you are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. You're no longer a slave, but a daughter. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, that was what the sermon was about last week. Are you a slave or a son? We had five prayer couples up after the service, and I called people up for prayer. Listen, if you're in that place of a slave, either you've never come to Christ or you've come to Christ, but you've gone back into slave mentality. If you weren't here, you should listen to the message. But immediately, the five prayer couples filled up, and I spoke with at least one person who wanted to pray after the service. Don't leave here today if you still feel like you're in that slave mentality we described last week. Don't leave this service today without having someone pray for you. Have, ask me or just grab the person next to you and, 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 and ask them to pray for you. Verse 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. He's telling them, before you even knew God, before you were a Christian, you, you served a God. It's impossible not to serve a God. There's only one real God, but we got to worship something because we were created to worship. So whether we're worshiping uh, sex or money or social media or fame or whatever, we got to worship something. And so that's why he says, but then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God. Verse 9. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? You become beggars. When God wants you to feast, you're begging. To which you desire again to be in bondage. A little more on that later. Verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years, meaning they're more into religion than relationship with Jesus Christ. God hates religion. He loves relationship. Verse 11, I'm afraid for you lest I have labored for you in vain. I'm, I'm afraid that I wasted my time there with you, is what he's saying. Because they went from joy in Christ to being bondage with religion. Verse 12, brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I have became like you 
You haven't injured me at all. I'm not mad at you. I'm not telling you this because I'm mad at you. You know, verse 13, because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. Meaning, I guess he was sick and he had to stay there. He was going to pass through. He got sick. And the Lord said, I know you're sick. Teach to these people now. That's how they first learned from him. Verse 14, and my trial, meaning his sickness, was in my flesh You did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So he had some kind of sickness in his eye. And and, and, and rather than when he showed up, Apparently, it was very visual. They could see, uh, rather than mocking him, look at who is this religious guy? If he was spiritual, he wouldn't be sick. They, they, they blessed him. And he says, you would have plucked out your own eyes for me. We, we were in such good, a good place with each other. Verse 16, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? that hasn't happened to you, it will. If you're sharing the truth with people, you'll be an enemy, even in your own household, Jesus says. Verse 17, they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that, they, that you may be zealous for them. So he's speaking about these outside people, religious people trying to destroy their Christian faith by laying a guilt trip of the law on them. It says they zealously court you, meaning they're sucking up to you, they're fawning over you, they're luring you, they're seducing you away from the simplicity, which is just simply walking with Jesus, with your Bible, with prayer and the people of God. Verse 18, but it is good to be zealous, meaning there's nothing wrong to be zealous, in a good thing, always, and not only when I am present with you. And then the rest of this time, we're going to be in verse 19. Oh, what a verse. And it ends with a comma, but we're allowed to do that. We can, we can actually do that. We don't have to read on. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Let's pray. Lord, what a, what a purpose of our life for you, Jesus Christ, to be formed in us, fashioned in us, that people would look at us instead of, this, uh, instead of us with all our issues. They, over time, they would see Jesus Christ. Your word says, uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Lord, Every day I give myself over to death that the life of Jesus Christ would be revealed in my mortal body. Oh God, that's what I want. Jesus, please, please do that in me. And in the life of your people here at Calvary Chapel, please help me with the message, Lord. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So verse 19, this is where we're going to be for the rest of the time. My little children, 
for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Paul says, my little children. Here's why I think why he's saying my little children. Last week we spent some time in this verse, John 3.16, or 3.3, is that it? Is it there? Do we have that? All right, thank you, John. Thank you, John. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot be in God's kingdom. That's Jesus speaking. So we spent some time in that verse last week. The Bible says, Jesus says, that in order for you to have a relationship with God, in fact, in order for you ever even to go to heaven, you must be born two times. The first time, from your mother's womb. The second time is when you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life That is, when you come to the place in your life where you realize, I have gotten myself into a ton of trouble with God. I've sinned big time against him. God, I get it. I believe what you say, that because of my sin, I deserve death in hell, but that Jesus Christ, your son, came and did death in hell in my place on the cross. Jesus, I'm tired of being my own God. Come into my life. Make me new. Save me. At that time, the Bible says, you become born again. Instantly, when the Holy Spirit invades you, the Bible says that happens, possesses you, You become born again, you become a daughter, you become a son, and you'll be a daughter and son for all eternity. You can't unson yourself, you can't undaughter yourself. He comes in, which is described when he comes in, the whole coming in process is described in the first verse we read this morning, go back to verse six, such a central verse in the this book of Galatians, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba mean daddy, kind of more than that, but daddy is the best sort of kind of translation we know of. It says, it says right there in verse six, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. That happens when you give up on yourself in the world and trying to be good enough to go to heaven or trying, or will you realize you're, 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 you're bad enough that you're, no one can be good enough that we're all in trouble with God, but Jesus came to, to make us perfect before the Lord and Christ. And, and you ask him in, it says again, verse six, that at that point, the spirit of his son is sent into your hearts and a relationship starts off. Abba, Father. There's another verse in Revelation 3.20. I quote it all the time. Why not quote it again? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus Christ speaking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now, eat with me. Jesus Christ eats with me? That's weird. Yeah, that's because we say that because we're so religious. We, we, we don't realize 
God wants a, uh, a Jesus Christ wants that one-on-one relationship. He wants, it's like we're eating with them. Anyone who's been walking with the Lord, seeking him, a life of seeking him and in the spirit knows what that's talking about. That's what God has for you and me. So what does all this have to do with Galatians 4 verse 19? Well, Paul addresses the Galatians at as his children. He, he, he says there, he says, uh, verse 19, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Paul was present when these Galatians asked Jesus Christ in their lives and were born again. He was there. In fact, he was the guy who told them first about Jesus Christ. They had not, not so much as even heard the name Jesus Christ. He shows up, apparently, was going to go right through, had some kind of illness in his eye, had to stay. The Lord does this, by the way, when you're all upset because you, you know, there's some obstacle, just back off. I'm not exactly good at doing this, but when I, 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 I am, the Lord tells me, just back up. It's okay, wait a second. This has happened. The tea is shut down for an hour. Why? Is there someone here I'm supposed to talk to or just bless or be kind to? And he did. He, he, he gave them Jesus Christ. It's all described there in Acts 13. We've read it many times. He comes into town. He tells them about Jesus Christ. He told them God sent his son in the world to live for you, die for you, raise from the dead for you. Believe in him and you will be made right with God and have eternal life. Many did, and they were born a second time, right then and there. Acts 13, you can read that. So to Paul, these Galatians are, are kind of like children. He had an intense love and affection for them. That is what it is like for pastors and leaders at church. I have that affection for many of you. The affection that, that a father has for a son or a daughter. I, I, I was looking down the list of, uh, of people in our church and I, I was look at, and, and very encouraged that presently, never mind the past, there's about 25 of you, you became Christians in this church or this was the first church you came to after you became a Christian. But I got to tell you when, you, when you're a pastor, sort of in my shoes, wow, that just does something to your heart when there's people like that, but just as much also when there's really anyone, even Christians who come into the church five, ten years into the faith, but when you see them, when, when I see you grow, when I see you leave the past behind and move into the future, it's just, there's like this thing. You develop a, a, a father-like feeling, affection for, for, for you. Not, not that I or Paul or anyone else is trying to be a biological father. Some of you have biological fathers who are your spiritual fathers. I, you know, I, I, I get that. But when I read verses like this, I get it. I love you. I love you. We love, we love you too. Well, thank you. But I love you, and I want God's best for you. So that's why he. That's but that's why he's. That's what he's talking about. I can relate to it. He says again. Let's look, my little children, for whom I labor in birth. Again, until Christ is formed in you. 
until I labor in birth again. He's talking about labor pains here. The labor pains a woman gets prior to delivering a baby. I have a son and four daughters. I was in the room for all the deliveries. Stephanie, my wife, chose not to have any medication, nothing, to ease the pain. Ah, it's not like a religious thing. Don't think you're being religious if you have that medication. But it, it, it was just like she didn't want it. The first delivery was my son, Sam. I tell you, I respected women before that delivery. But, ooh, after, during, I'm like, you, you're, you're kidding me, right? This much pain? I, I, I was just in shock at the, at, the, at the pain, the labor pains I saw my wife, who I love so much, go through. Paul says, my dear children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You know, I love what I do. It's the greatest privilege in the world to be a pastor, at least for me. Loving so many of you with a, a, a love a father has for a son, the kind of love a father has for a daughter, it can just be heart-wrenchingly painful. The process of seeing Christ formed in you. Brutal. Pain that I did not know I was capable of experience for someone outside my biological family. It's come more than once, believe me. Many times, really. To you, one of you, who are carried away with pride, having to see that. Carried away with bitterness. When you, I'm talking to you, when you're, when you're carried away with bitterness, when you're carried away into a life just believing lies, it's just painful, really painful. Or, or when you, some of you go back into drugs, you go back into alcohol, you go back into your job addiction, your money addiction, it's like the glitter of the world, you turn into a zombie. I, I see that in some of you sometimes. It's painful. To see you come to Christ and filled with joy, to see you take off spiritually in the word and fellowship with other believers in prayer, saying and, and doing all the right things, then after whatever, six months, two years, five years, boom, something happens. Something happens that maybe in your life that begins to fall apart uh, or, or, or nothing happens, uh, but you just get careless with your mind. Some of you are being careless with your mind. You're letting things into your mind. 
which you shouldn't be letting into, but, and over time you get carried away after a lie, and pretty soon you're gone. That's painful because I know, I always know where this stuff is going. It's going to be pain for you, but not only you. There's no such thing as a sin that the world makes you think there's sin that just affects you. never happens. Sin, by its very nature, hurts those around you. I think of Pastor Eric, who for 12 years or more has been meeting twice a week in the youth prison with teenagers, meeting with um, those who get out of prison after they get out. He teaches Bible studies in and out of prison. He's led countless kids to the Lord, has experienced just the wonder of what happens just right in front of someone. Eric has experienced this probably more than anything. All of a sudden, something opens their eyes and they're like, whoa, there's a God who loves me. There's a way out of this hopeless condition. There's actually a purpose of my life. And it's all about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But most of them, when they get out, that freedom is intoxicating. And they go off, I don't know how many have been killed. But whether they're killed or not, Pastor Eric hurts. He knows that pain. It says again, verse 19, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now, the Apostle Paul, what was so painful for him, again, he had been there at the birth. Just go right back to um, verse 9 again. Uh, go just back a little to verse 9. What happened to him? Again, he, Acts 13, he's there. says the whole city was filled with joy. It's like, wow, this is incredible what we're hearing. We've never heard this message about that God just didn't create the world and leave us no way to get to know who he is. He sent his son. Which makes sense, right? Why would God make the world and then give, leave it up to everyone's best guess to figure out who he is? Now, that would be a cruel father. God's not cruel. He loves. He sent his son. He, Paul went in there. He, they, he, he saw the joy. He experienced the joy. But, um, and then he left the city after a while because he was a church planner. He did leave some people in place in charge. But then he got word that their joy had departed, he got word that their joy had departed because some people had come in after religious people and taken away their joy. Look at verse 9. It says this. It says, but now, but now. Let's go back and to verse 6 again. I, I we can't read that verse enough. It's impossible to read this verse enough. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, verse 9. But now, after you have known God, or rather known by God, how is it that you 
in turn, to rather, turn again to weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage, meaning slavery. Same word. That's the word for slavery, slave. How could you possibly go back to in bondage? Now, what happened? Verse 10 describes, you observe days and months, seasons and years. So what happened? Um, what is it? 40%, no, not 40, 80% of this Bible is the Old Testament. And I teach through the Old Testament every Tuesday night. I'd love to have you there. It's over a mile away on, on Washington Street. It's incredibly important to emphasize why we need Jesus Christ. You're not going to understand the grace of God. You're not going to even understand Galatians if you don't understand the Old Testament. At least in the fullness, you can't understand it. But as Paul has described many times, the verses have been up this week, the Old Testament law, we're no longer under it in, in grace, in Jesus Christ. We're no longer under it, and we've talked about what that means. We're no longer under it. And so what happened, these are non-Jews in this area. He, they, he went in there, he taught them about Jesus Christ, actually taught them from the Old Testament about the coming Messiah, the coming Jesus Christ. And he, uh, uh, they, they come to the Lord, they get, and, and, and he explained what it, you know, what it means to be a Christian. Very, very simple. The word, Acts 2.42, fellowship, hanging out with believers in church. Three, prayer and, and communion. Very, very simple. The joy continued. He left. They were filled with joy. But what happened, some people came in after him and said, no, no, you need the other 80% as well. You need the law. You need this Old Testament. And among other things, the Old Testament requires every Jewish man to go to Jerusalem three times a year and celebrate a feast. Which, by the way, was a wonderful time while the Old Covenant was in place in many ways. A bunch of the Psalms are written, just so much joy, of the Jews coming into the city. But the Gentiles are like, say what? <laughs> like, I got to save up money to take my family across land and sea and go three times a year to Jerusalem? You know, first time, and this is the way legalism always is, when someone just dumps a law on you. The first time they did it, it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I tell you, second, third time, and, 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 and after a year or two, it's like, whoa, this is really what a simple relationship with Jesus Christ is like? They lost their joy. And it hurt him. Like labor pains. Woman's labor pains prior to birth. It, it hurt him. So that's why he says again, verse 19, Galatians 4, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So let's talk about the last, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six words. Until Christ 
is formed in you. I got to tell you, please look at me. You have one incredible purpose for your life. Can you imagine? The purpose of your life is for Jesus Christ to be formed in you. I don't know about you, that just blesses me. I wish there wasn't a comma there after the, at verse 19 because people just go on to the rest of the sentence like, whoa, stop. That's the purpose of my life for Jesus Christ to be formed in me? Uh -huh, that's right. That's the promise. My little children, for whom I labor in birth pain until Christ is formed in you. Oh, the joy. The joy, the joy, the joy, the joy. When I see you, Calvary Chapel, keeping on seeking, and like Dan said, you've been living in a, a cave if you've been in this room somehow, if you haven't heard us talking about seeking the Lord. First Chronicles 28.9. If you, if you weren't here that morning, please, please listen to that message, David told Solomon, you need to do three things. God will prosper you. Know the Lord, serve the Lord, and seek the Lord. Solomon did number one, he got to know the Lord. Number two, he served the Lord. Stop doing number three. And this is why Christians lose their joy. They stop seeking God. But when... When they come, when Christ is formed in them, when, the, when they go back to seeking the Lord, it says, the Bible says, Calvary Chapel, Christ will be formed in you. Christ will be formed in you. And the joy that it is when I see that in your life, and that's what, what he's talking about here. He's talk, getting really personal. Oh, the joy when I see Christ formed in you. And I'm talking like Steve now. And I don't want anyone growing because they want to please me. That, neither does Paul. You, you grow because of, because of God. You don't grow because of, you want to please your pastor. That's a superficial nonsense when people do that. You, you grow because God loves you. He, he loves you a thousand times more than me. He wants you to, to see you be freed from the slavery and be walking like a son, a daughter. It's the point here. And oh, the joy, it makes all the pain, even labor pains, worth it. John chapter 16, verse 21 says, a woman, Jesus says rather, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. When I see Christ formed in you, it can be like the pain never happened. But let's talk about what it means. What does it mean that Christ be formed in you? Let's talk about this. This is important. When you first ask Jesus Christ into your life, we saw that in verse 6 of this chapter again. It says, God sends forth the spirit of his son into your heart. It says, you become, again, you become born again. You have Jesus Christ in your life. 
Last chapter of 2 Corinthians, it says, the Apostle Paul says to the church, do you not know that Jesus Christ lives within you? Do you not know that? Calvary Chapel, do you not know that Jesus Christ lives within you? He's in you. However, pause. In order to understand verse 19, you have to understand this. Christ forming in you is a process of time. It takes place over time. Man, do we come into the kingdom of God, most of us, we become Christians. We have all kinds of muck and damage. And I always use the illustration from the creature of the Black Lagoon, that movie from the 50s. This creature comes out of the Black Lagoon, with mud coming out from it. And he's like, whoa, what's this? It's the creature of the Black Lagoon. Ah, Every single person who becomes a Christian, that's, we have mud dripping off of us, but... It's only visible to God in many ways, but it's also visible to human beings. It takes a while to see Christ formed in you. The verse that I, I, I really like, to, um, I, I like to, to put up is, is in Hebrews. Can we get that, John? Hebrews says this, by one sacrifice, meaning the cross, he, God, has made perfect, speaking of you, forever those who are being made holy. So let me fill in the blanks there. Can we get the next verse? So, so, so it, let's just exp, uh, sort of filling in some blanks there. For by one sacrifice, meaning on the cross, he has made perfect forever those who are being made like Jesus Christ. Remember, where it said like Jesus Christ, the actual word is holy. But what is holiness? Someone shout it out. What's the best way to figure out what holiness is? Well, there's a better way. Look at Jesus. Anything, because you know, it's true, we're set apart, that's true. But if you really want to know what holiness um, is, look at Jesus. Now think about it. It says in verse 6 of Galatians 4 that the Father sent the Spirit of the Son, Jesus Christ, into your heart. So over time, you're going to look like Jesus as you continue to seek the Lord. So again, back to our verse. Um, um, it, 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 it says, my little children for whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. I think it's really valuable and helpful, at least it was to me, to look at other translations. We use the New King James, but looking at other translations of this verse because they'll, ex they'll explain and they'll make clear what it means. So another translation, this is the good news translation. It's the first translation I ever knew um, when I was a kid. Um, wasn't a Christian family, but some reason there was a good news translation there. It says, my dear children, once again, just like a mother in childbirth, I feel the same kind of pain for you until Christ's nature is formed in you. It, in other words, it takes time. Uh, next, next uh, child, this is the International Children's Bible. My little children, again, I feel pain for you. As a mother feels when she gives birth, I will feel this until you truly begin, become like Christ. You see, it's a, a process of time. And then one more translation. My dear children, I am in pain for you like I was when we first met. I have pain like a woman giving birth, and my pain will continue until Christ makes you 
like himself. I like that. That's the NIV reader. In Spanish, that's mis queridos hijos. Siento dolor por ustedes como cuando nos conocimos. Tengo dolor como una mujer dando a luz y mi dolor continuará hasta que Cristo os haga semejantes a Él. Jesus in you. That's the, that's the purpose of your life. So, pain, he's talking about pain as Christ is being formed in you, but joy, 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 exhilaration, joy, when Christ is formed in you, you can see Christ in you, you can hear Christ in you, you can touch Christ in you, so what does that look like? What is, but, but, but the answer to that question is, what does Jesus look like? Well, Calvary Chapel, first and foremost, again, I get nervous, I need to be holy, I need to be holy. Listen. That means you need to be like Jesus. So first and foremost, what did we see in this chapter that Jesus does? Anyone want to shout it out? Verse 6. He cries out to his father. He cries out. Oh, you mean it's not no smoking, no drinking, no, no uh, sex outside of man? No, it's like he, he cries out to his father, it says. Again, um, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, it says this. He's right about to go to the cross. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Let me tell you, when you start looking like Jesus, please, let me get everyone's attention. You start looking like Jesus. Christ becomes, it becomes evident that Jesus is being formed in you when I see you're crying out, to God. So when there's crisis in your life, the first thing you do, well, I got to call my wife. I got to call my husband. I got to call, you know, cousin Frank. I got to call my, my friend Bill. I got to, I, I got to, okay, this is like the, man, by the way, I do that to this day. Sometimes it's very difficult not to just tell my Stephanie, you wouldn't believe what this guy just said. No. You cry out to God. You, and, and so Christ forming in you is you start changing your thinking, your patterns of conduct, where you're not calling out first to man. Of course, it's, we're the body of Christ. We're here for each other. We should be going to each other, but not first. How else? How else? When, 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 when he says here, my little children for whom I labor in birth until Christ formed in you, how else? What is it that, I, I, you know, I think of what I look at you all and, um, and, and I'm thinking, you know, wow, um, Christ is being formed in that man. Christ is being formed in that woman. What else is there? I'm going to put up this verse. Also, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because remember, this, this is how Jesus acts. His spirit has gone into you. So you start doing this. You start looking like Jesus. Christ is being formed in you. It says, he, Jesus, went away and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. 
So when he's talking about the cup here, he's talking about the suffering, he's talking about the cross, he's talking about being separated from his father for your sins and my sins. He's talking about literally somehow a visitation of hellfire on his body, somehow, so that you and I don't go out of hell and go to hell. And he's saying, look, if this thing can, this situation can pass from me, please do it. But nevertheless, okay, it's, I, I want your will. So what does that look like in your life? What is Christ, if, if, Jesus, it's, if Jesus is working his way into you, that he, you're, he's formed in you, what does that mean? It, means? it means crying out to God and say, God, I will stay in this marriage. It says, God, God, I will stay in this ministry. I will stay in this job. Not saying you never leave a job or a ministry. I'm saying that, that many times the Lord wants you to stay put. And it's hard. If this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. I'm going to tell the truth in this situation that I'm in, no matter what the consequences, even if I get fired. I tell you, that gets me as encouraged, as happy, that makes all the pain go away. When I see Christians living in integrity, with integrity, in the workplace. How many times do someone call me, this Christian, that Christian, you wouldn't believe what they're doing in their job. Listen, God can protect you. He can protect you. And if he doesn't want you in the job, you get fired and go somewhere else. He, he, he will protect you. Lord, I'm single, I want to be married, and I, want to, I will stay pure. I will stay pure, God, because I love you. When I see singles seeing that and living it out, I see it. Make it all the pain goes away, Calvary Chapel. It's like Christ, Christ is being formed in her, in him. Lord, I am, I am going to keep on walking with you Although I don't get, I don't get, I don't understand where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I, I, but, but I'm just going to continue this simple walk with Jesus Christ that you've called me into. Man, that makes all the pain go away, Calvary Chapel. When I see Christ being formed in you like that. One last one, and then we'll close up. What does it look like when Christ is being formed in you? What makes me, a pastor, go from labor pains to great joy, making the pain go away when I'm seeing, as I'm seeing it, because it's Jesus Christ being formed in you. John 13, 34, Jesus says to his disciples, he says to you, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, loving each other was not a new commandment. That was all over the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a new commandment. What's, what, what is the new commandment here? Someone shout it out. Right. Love each other as I have loved you. How did he love them? He died for him. He was killed for him. He was killed for him. 
So he's saying there, you love. Because I've loved, you love the same way. You love the same way. Love, love, love. And notice it, the Bible doesn't say you're Calvary Chapel, you're supposed to kill each other. There's no verse like that in the Bible. But yet that's what you and I do with our tongues. The Bible says that the, po- that the Bible says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. Do you know that? Death, death and life are in the power of your tongue. I came from an environment. I didn't start walking with the Lord till I was 24. And just the circles that I was in as a teenager in early 20s, everyone is ripping everyone else apart. And I was right there with them. I know a lot about killing people with my tongue. The power of the tongue has death and life. When I start seeing you, because so many of you came from the same circles that I came from or something like it, whether it's like sport, just criticizing people, criticizing anyone and everything. That's, that's murder, the Bible says. You're killing someone. But when I see you start using that tongue of yours that has caused so much damage in the past, and it's, there's a transformation, and you start using it to build people up rather than tearing them down. That is love. And Jesus Christ is being, fo- is being formed in you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're just going to close out the service now. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. And you can stand at this time. We're going to close with a worship song. If you've been asked to pray, if you could please come up at this time. Some of you in this room, perhaps you've never been born that second time. I was not born the second time until I was in my 20s. And uh, I thought I was okay with God until someone started talking to me about the Bible and I started reading the Bible and the Bible says that God is so holy, so white hot holy. Jesus says, even the words, by the words of your mouth, you, every word, every careless word, you will be judged. Oh, really? I needed a Savior. So does everyone in this room. So do you. If you've never been born that second time, come up. It's actually a simple prayer of faith of opening up your heart to Jesus Christ. We began with that verse. I stand at the door of your heart and knock, Jesus says. Open it up, I'll come in. We will eat together. But if anyone else, if, you, if you're just excited or maybe you're discouraged about this emphasis on Christ being formed, 
in me. If you're excited, come up. I'll pray for you. If you're, if you're, if you're like, whoa, I haven't seen any of this, and, and, and I've been with um, coming to church, been a Christian for 10 years, come up. We'll pray for you. It's the most wonderful, awesome, that's 9.30 prayer this morning. We sang awesome God. God's given us, he's awesome. He's given us this awesome calling to have Christ, Jesus Christ formed in us. If you'd like prayer for that, please come up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that the work that you began through the worship, the work that you began through the word, that you would continue it now. In your name, Jesus, amen.